and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks with me, Howard H. Smith, your host, the man with the bollocks. Welcome back. And if you haven't been here before, why not? Hey, this is your first episode. Bit of a carcass fan, are you? Well, get back through the fucking library and check out all of the stuff you haven't heard. So, um, my, I am your host, as I said, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may know me as stand-up comedian with the character Keith Platt. You may know me as host of this podcast, Talking Bollocks. You may even know me as host, co-host of the Old Bollocks podcast available on this feed and also the host of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. That's a lot of stuff stuff, Howard. Yeah, have you not gone on about yourself enough? Uh, yeah, do you know what? I think I have. Okay, so let's get stuck in, shall we? Other than to say, before going anywhere, you'll see a link in the description of the podcast. Um, it'll say support this podcast or join Patreon. Click that link. It's live. It'll take you to Patreon. You can sign up for $6 a month and get the full bollocks. You get a live podcast every month on Zoom. You get a radio. You get a two-hour radio show. You get um, albums reviewed. You get all sorts. Okay. So anyway, that's out the way. Let's crack on with, as always, what has been happening in the world of metal since last we spoke. Well, if there was ever a clickbait headline to end all clickbait headlines, then this is it. Dave Lefson on Fallout from his sex video scandal. Now I know how Jesus felt. Now, I am going to... I'm going to flip-flap. Flip-flap? Flim-flam? Whatever. Um, I'm, 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 I'm going to be going backwards and forwards with, with my opinions on Dave on this, but I think that's, it, it is a slightly harsh line to drag out, but it's, it's blabbermouth, isn't it? It's, it's clickbait. It's meant to make you read the article. So I did. And, um, and I'm reading it now, so you don't have to, but, um, it kind of, yeah, let's go, let's go straight in with this particular section. And it's Dave talking about everything that's happened with his sex scandal recently. And he says, not to use a religious reference. Well, he's about to. But I guess I know how Jesus felt. It doesn't sound any better, does it, really? Um, <laughs> Carry your cross and then kill him. Shit, we got the wrong guy. Not to make it a religious thing, but it's just one of those things. I couldn't even believe it. I'm not going to lie. I deserve better than that, which is why I got off social media, I got away from all of that stuff, and I was just like, you know what? I've poured my life into my craft and my work and my art and being a performer and entertainer, and no one deserves to be treated like that. That's just absolutely uncalled for on any level. Now, I agree that the the um, paedophilia um, stuff being thrown around on social media was absolutely out of order, it's libelous, it is, it was, yeah, horrific, okay? But it didn't just fall out of the fucking sky, did it, Dave? You know, it, 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 it didn't just appear out of nowhere, because this reads like it did, and it didn't, because there was something at the heart of this. So I'm, I'm kind of, I still kind of feel like he's not taking ownership of, you know, Mr. Lutheran Pastor, is still quoting, you know, is, is quoting about Jesus and talking about how horrifically he's being dealt with whilst not talking about, you know, what he did. So, I, I, so he does go on to address it, okay? And he does, he does say, um, uh, and there's another quote say, saying, um, 
Uh, I mean, look, admittedly, I've sort of trained the public to think that I'm one of the more well-behaved rock stars out there. And for the most part, I have been. But at the same time, this isn't to claim anything other than that. Just, oops, shit happens. That is that is what it is. Um, I mean, that's not... That, that doesn't sound very... You know, that doesn't sound like a man who is... Um, well, who is married and who is a a, a pastor, a man of faith. So I, I, it, it just doesn't address it enough for me. But maybe I'm being over harsh. I'm sure I'm sure you'll all tell me if you have. But if you start waving your dick around on the Internet with European teenagers and it gets filmed, don't be surprised if this kind of fucking shit comes your way, Dave. That's all I'm saying. And like I said, I still don't feel like he's taking full ownership of it and said, yeah, do you know what? I was a fucking idiot. I shouldn't have done it. And, um, you know, I I've still have never seen, and I'm sure he has, but, you know, he's never seen the, the, a public apology to his wife, to his family, uh, to his church, to Jesus for that matter. So, you know, and I'm sure, you know, it's all about the forgiveness, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, it, the story rumbles on, uh, and and rumbling on is the new Megadeth album, which is um, uh, apparently going to be called "The Sick, The Dying, and the Dead." So Mustaine, they're cheering us up with an album title, seeing as how we've uh, you know we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're getting out of a pandemic or whatever, wherever we are now with the pandemic. Um, the sick, the dying, and the dead. Um, awesome. So. <laughs> I would imagine this gonna, there is going to be at least some songs on there that are going to be about stuff. Now, this is interesting, right? Uh, because it says, uh, Dave says, a lot of the riffs have been saved over time. A brand new song can be made of something I wrote when I was 15 or 55. It's a good riff. If it's a good riff, I'll save it, which is which is cool. It's cool. So I'm looking forward to hearing, um, you know, 30-year-old riffs, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it just what a title. What a title. The sick, the dying, and the dead. Great. Never mind. Um, and, and moving on um, to the next story. Former Turbo Negro singer Hank Von Hell, dead at 49. Um, now, I was never a fan of Tur- uh, Turbo Negro. Um, I know, you know plenty of people were um, and, and, and still are. Uh, but as, a, as somebody who is a singer in a band and 51, it really does kind of make you very aware of your um, mortality, for that matter. And, um, yeah, um, so, R.I.P. Hank Von Hell. Um, also, original um, original corn drummer Joey Silvera says, uh, on playing with the band for their, you know, upcoming anniversary, <laughs> you never know, is his quote. You just never know. Actually, everyone seems to know, other than you, Joey, you're not invited they don't want you around. You've tried to sue them to get back in the band, you prick. If you were going to play in the fucking anniversary, it would have happened by now. And speaking of other broken relationships between band members, James Labrie says he has no relationship with Mike Portnoy. Um, now, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Mike, okay? But if he's not your particular cup of poison, I would imagine um, being in a band with him could could be quite draining and if he left you'd you'd you probably wouldn't be like keen to stay in touch um as he says i haven't spoken to mike to be quite honest since he left the band so i think that pretty much says it all <laughs> and and it's like 
I don't know how Blabbermouth managed to get a whole news story out of that. And it is, it's a massive, well, I do know how they did it, but it's, the whole interview's down, uh, it is available on, um, uh, on the article. Uh, but I've done you a favour, that's it, basically. That's, that's, that's the only new thing. Um, we also get Blaze Bailey's um, opinion on uh, Senjutsu, the new Maiden album. And um, I, I'm going to go through this. This is Blaze's thoughts. I think it's a deep album, and it's not something that gives you gives. Uh, uh, it's not something that gi- gives itself easily on the first time through. I think you've got to give it a chance. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of mood changing with the chords, and they've uh, 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 they've done for the instrumentals. So it's it's that kind of feel. You have to go. What is the story? And then when the instrumental part comes, it's just like an orchestral piece. What are they talking about now? What does this music make me feel? Why has it gone into a dark place? So I think it gives it. Uh, so I don't think it gives itself up easily. I don't think it's. Uh, uh, oh, but I think it's. I nearly said not. Uh, but I think it's a good album, and the things I've heard so far, I really like. I mean, I think that is super, super um, uh, diplomatic of Blaze there, because um, ultimately, I think he's saying, "Look, I played it once, and um, I can't get my head around it." <laughs> And I know the feeling, Blaze. I really do. Um, it is a, it is a, it's a bit of a slog. I have to say, it's a bit of a slog. And double albums. I'm still not feeling it. Still not feeling um, the Maiden album. I have to say, and I've got to say as well, I'm really not feeling Mastodon, Hushed and Grim. Um, I know I'm kind of repeating myself from the last old bollocks episode, but it's, it, yeah, it's just. In no way am I tempted to go back, listen again, give it another chance. Um, I've tried and it's just, ah, I don't know. Just, it's really not happening for me. It's really not happening for me. So, speaking of singers, talking about albums that are not happening for him. This is literally not happening for him. Uh, (laughs) Rob Halford was asked about, um, was asked about uh, KK's Priest's new album. And um, he said, well, I haven't heard it. And when I and when I will, I'll let you know. But I'd much rather say focused on the celebration of 50 years and on this box set. This box set is an extraordinary representation um, of this life story that uh, that this band has gone through. And you know what? You see what's going on there. Hey, I love it. I love it. Basically, Rob is staying eyes on the prize, focused on Judas Priest, focused on what Judas Priest is doing next, focused on what um, the Judas Priest lineup is. And I can understand the journalist asking that question. And they really were hoping for some quotes about the album. And he's just brilliantly said, I haven't heard it. I mean, do we all think he hasn't heard it or do we think he, he, he probably has heard it? Um, but he clearly doesn't want to talk about it. And quite rightly, he does not want to give the oxygen of publicity to KK's Priest album. And I, I think that's admirable. Of course, he may not have heard it and he's just being honest. Either way, I think it's admirable. But let me tell you, this singer has heard KK's Priest album and it is fucking ridiculous. It, I'm sorry, hilarious. I mean, it's just, it sounds like somebody... It sounds like somebody doing an impression of Judas Priest for a laugh. It is, to say it is cliched is is to massively underestimate how cliched it is. It is just, it's, I mean, you know, feel, go and have a listen. Go on to YouTube, give it a listen. I, 
I'm genuinely, genuinely thought it was, I don't know, to the, it was almost funny to the point, as I said earlier, of comedy. It's just insane. But, um, it doesn't sound like a band that he spent 10 years putting together because believe it or not, it's 10 years since he left Priest. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. But, uh, yeah, mad. And also, while we're talking about it, um, Richie Faulkner is um, recovering from his heart attack and uh, wish him all the best. Not that he'll ever know or ever hear this, but do you know what I mean? I'm sending my um, heartfelt um, best wishes because, you know, it's, uh, it's a horrible thing, horrible thing to happen to anybody. Um, next up, The Three Tremors featuring Tim Ripper Owens, yes, he of KK's Priest, Sean Peck and Harry Conklin, War of Nations music video. Now, I'm not, you know, three singers, they're doing this thing, The Three Tremors, great, giving absolutely no credit to anybody else who's on the album, as three singers might do. <laughs> it's like, right, three singers on this album, and, uh, oh, who's in the band? Well, there's the three of us. Yeah, but who plays in the band? Well, there's you know, three singers. There's him, there's me, and there's him. Yes, but who actually plays in the band? Well, we're the band. Yes, but who, all right, who plays drums? Who plays guitar? Who plays bass? Uh, do you know what? I don't know. <laughs> Not quite sure, actually. Have we, have we got a band? Oi, Ripper. I mean, you know, do you call him Ripper? I mean, personally, if I knew somebody called Tim Owens, I would probably call him Tim. Even if the nickname he chose himself is Ripper, and maybe he didn't choose it himself, but that's not really, um, it's not really a very um, complimentary nickname, is it? Ripper. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit close to, you know, the R word with an A in it. Um, yeah, Ripper. Oi, Ripper, come over here, sign this autograph. I don't know, it sounds like something from like, you know, some BBC, some BBC sort of, um, uh, period drama, there's a killer. Well, actually, and there used to be one called Ripper Street, didn't there? But it does, it's like, you know, Oi, Ripper, get your ass over here. Yeah, all right, what are we doing? We're doing some murder. Are we doing some murder? Yeah, we're doing some murder, because we're fucking cockneys in the 18th century. We're hacking up prostitutes for a laugh. We're going we're gonna to chop their heads off and put them on our own heads and walk around town like proper spivs. And anyway, um, yeah, it's just to me, it's just hilarious to me. Three singers, not a mention of anybody else in the band. Um, just these three singers and all the bands they used to be in, uh, which, which, yeah, I just think is fairly amusing. But there you go. Um, next up, Metallica's fortieth um, anniversary is coming up, and um, uh, we've got uh, they've announced the San Francisco takeover. And among the events planned for the performances um, uh, is Tappy Houston, the new band featuring Miles and Lane Ulrich, sons of Metallica drums, drummer Lars Ulrich. Really? The surname kind of gave it away, but thanks, Blabbermouth, that they're Lars's sons. Great. Okay. Ulrich, but no, cheers. Also, Otto, the three-piece band featuring Ty Trujillo, son of Metallica bassist Robert Trujillo. Again, never mind. And The Wedding Band, the side project of Metallica uh, guitarist Kirk Hammett, bassist Rob Trujillo, and along with Ugly Kid Joe singer Whitfield Crane and Bad Wolves guitarist Doc Coyle. All I'm saying is it's not exactly Jason and Mustaine playing with Metallica again and Merciful Fate and King Diamond playing, is it? You're getting to see the kids' bands. Um, I don't know. I just think maybe... Yeah. it's it, But there's there's all sorts of other events... And, uh, you know, I'm sure if you're a Metallica fan, you'll really enjoy them. Now, 
I can't decide about this next news story. I can't decide whether to slag it off or whether to give credit where credit's due. Okay, here is the headline. Van Halen's lost singer, Mitch Malloy, celebrates Eddie Van Halen's musical legacy. Multi-camera video. Now, I saw that headline and I was like, what the fuck is this? Malloy told the story of his day at Eddie Van Halen's 5150 Studios to, uh, uh, to Melodic Rock, whoever that was, radio station, I think. A guy who worked for their management at the time used to be my road manager and he kept calling me and telling me they were going to fire Sammy and that I was going to be the next singer in Van Halen. And he was calling and calling and finally I got annoyed about this and I told him to stop and that I didn't think um, I was a good fit in Van Halen and that, and that if he was serious, he should have Ed call me. I mean, really? You fucking no one? And you, you're saying, I don't think I'd be a good fit for Van Halen? You got offered the job, you just fucking do it. Anyway... A week later, Desmond Child calls me and he says he has just left Ed's house and was writing with them and they were talking about me and they were watching my Anything At All video and that, and that he told them I was perfect for them and that um, they'd be lucky to get me. Whatever. Uh, what, you know, I don't know. Uh, and before I knew it, I was on the plane to LA. Ed did a call, a bunch, Ed did call a bunch of times. He was great. He then goes on to say that, uh, according to Malloy, Eddie told him he was he was in the band on his third day in the studio. But when Eddie, Michael, Anthony and Alex Van Halen stepped on stage with their estranged singer Dave Lee Roth for the first time in 12 years at the 1996 MTV Music Awards, Mitch knew his dream gig had fallen apart. I'm sitting watching TV there by myself and I'm saying, it wasn't good. I think literally my jaw dropped. So in that moment, I was shocked. And you know how sometimes as humans, we just know some things? You just know it. You don't have to say it. Nobody has to say anything. People just know things. And that moment that Roth walked out uh, out behind them, I knew it was over. I'm not going to be in Van Halen. I just knew somehow. And so that was it for me. It was just like, that's it. This can't happen now. <laughs> I love that. I knew it was, <laughs> it's like, I knew it was over. At that moment, Roth walked behind them. I knew it was over. I, you know, people, sometimes you just know things. Yeah, I just knew somehow. The reason why you just knew somehow it's because David Lee Roth is singing in Van Halen. That's that's how you just knew. I mean, you don't have to be a fucking psychic. You don't have to be clairvoyant. You just sat there going, yeah, right, okay, so that's me. I'm fucked. That's the end of me. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm saying, like, you know, I, I can't whether to, I can't decide. I th I'm going to go, do you know what? I'm going to go with fair play to the guy, right? Because basically he was never in Van Halen. And if he was, it was for three days and, you know, does that really count? Does that really count? I mean, you know, you've got the three second rule if you drop something on the floor uh, and, you know, food on the floor and you pick it up and eat it. Well, if you're me, you do. And, and fuck off. Don't pull that face. Don't make out like you haven't done it yourself. Piss off. And but, you know, the three day rule in a band. Yeah. No one goes around. <laughs> no one goes around saying, yeah, I was I was in that band for three days because it makes you look like a dick. But to be fair, it's all these years later and he's going, do you know what? I am going to try and trade on this. And he's got himself on Blabbermouth. And it's and there's two videos at the bottom of this. Mitch Malloy's Van Halen Experience Live. And there's there's two videos. One's Hot for Teacher. Um, and it's Mitch Malloy's and Van Halen Experience. And I'm looking at it and I'm just thinking, do you know what? Fair enough. You've managed to get something out of this that you completely and totally don't deserve. 
And here's almost the proof. This is Mitch Malloy's last tweet because they're, they're, his Twitter account is on the bottom with something he tweeted. And you can click and it says tweet your replies. So you, you click through, right? And his last tweet is Mitch Malloy's Van Halen, Van Halen experience jump live. And there's a link to him. And that tweet was posted as I speak two days ago. And it has one retweet, one retweet and five likes. That is how relevant it is to the rock world. No one fucking cares. Nobody is queuing up to hear a... Uh, no one's queuing up to hear a guy who was in Van Halen for three days, his versions of the Van Halen back catalogue. There is no Van Halen fan out there going... Oh, do you know what? I really want to hear this. I really want to hear the guy who wasn't in Van Halen. Oh, sorry, no, he was for three days. I really want to hear his interpretations of Van Halen's classic material, for fuck's sake. But do you know what, Mitch Malloy? Fair play to you. I mean, it's clear from the reaction from Twitter and the lack of comments on Blabbermouth that no one gives a fuck. But fair play, good on you. You've put you put yourself out there, haven't you? Fair play. Uh, and the other person who's put himself out there is Kid Rock. Now, I, do you know what? I was going to read you some of the lyrics from his fucking stupid new song um, called Don't Tell Me How To Live. And um, and just read it. I don't want to give him any publicity because it's just the lyrics are just fucking dog shit. They really are. Um, and hey, look, the article's there. I'll put a link to it and you can read his lyrics. And it is just utter childish fucking drivel. It really is. Just an angry old man being angry, shouting at the internet and writing songs about shouting at the internet and writing songs about how the internet's not fair and young people and don't like him and get offended. It's just fuck off. You're called kid rock. You should be called old bastard rock. You should be called granddad rock because you're fucking out of date. Go back and go back to just barbecuing. Yeah, just go back. To driving around in a pickup truck and barbecuing, you stupid fucking prick. Anyway, ah dear, that feels better. So, um, what you've got coming up now is um, Bill Steer from Carcass, as you're going to hear. And no surprise here, I'll be doing my albums of the year. Um, a first episode of next year, as I always do. Um, but uh, Torn Arteries by Carcass is my favourite album of the year. So um, Bill is the guitarist that is responsible for that album. Uh, 25% of the band? Nay, 30% of the band. Anyway, um, we had a right old chat and there was um, a good chunk of Patreon questions. Patrons really stepped up and came up with some brilliant questions. It's so good that I've left them in. Okay, so what you've got coming up now is not only the main interview, you've got all the Patreon, well, not all of the Patreon stuff, but you've got a big chunk of all the Patreon questions. The patrons, they get extra podcast as well. So they've got some they've got some more stuff with Bill that's not on here. But I just wanted to I really wanted to keep it in here because they like I said, they really stepped up some great questions, as as Bill says, you know. So without further ado, here is Bill and I having a chat just the other week. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you? I am very well. How are you? Yeah, doing all right, thank you. Excellent, excellent. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, another interview. Are you um, are you all worked out of this album yet? <laughs> I, um, yeah, it seems to be tapering off. I'd say we're about. Well, speaking for myself, I'm probably eighty plus interviews deep into this. So um, yeah, I'm imagining the end's in sight. <laughs> yeah, that is that's that's a lot of interviews. That is a lot of interviews. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I'm sure you know this all too well yourself. Um, everything shifted that way. I yeah. mean, you know, like in the 80s or 90s, you'd do a handful of interviews, and that would cover an album. You know, it was yeah. all done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it it is. It's, it's almost like now. Well, basically, p- distribution is kind of irrelevant, and it's more the just making sure people know that it's out, because if they yeah. know, they can get hold of it. Absolutely, yeah. I think it is pretty much that simple now. Well, it seems to be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, I've toyed with setting up a record label and just, you know, signing a distribution deal and doing your own PR and everything else. But then you look, you look into it, and then you just think, nah, this is too much like hard work. Yeah, I mean, it's not for everybody, I reckon. Because I mean, yeah, it's just it would be such a grind to take care of some of those things. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that side of labels is definitely it's, it's different now because because as you sort of mentioned there, the thing in the past was well, we want to get signed so we can get into shops, but obviously, yeah. not a huge amount of people buy records in shops now. So yeah, you know, yeah, well, and and there's not a lot, there's not a lot of, not a lot of record shops around either. So no, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, other than that, it's it's hardly changed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so look, I, I want to go. I want to go back um, a, a little bit. We, I, do you know what? We, I don't think we've ever met, but we were. I've, I've been on your tour bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Which, which, which sounds a bit creepy. Um, <laughs> it was when um, it was when Stilly was working with you guys. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was with us for a long time, and um, I definitely met some of the guys, Master Rain. But uh, yeah, like you said, I don't think we met for whatever reason yeah no i think well around that time cathedral were probably kind of like you know in their pomp as well and i was off doing all sorts of bits and pieces so mm. um yeah i mean um, and still he says hi by the way um oh cool great <laughs> where is he now um he lives in germany oh yeah i did hear this a while i wasn't sure if he was still there or, or what but yeah well yeah oh. i mean well yeah let's face it the uh the, the pandemic's changed quite a few things yeah yeah but um, yeah, it's um, uh, so yeah. So anyway, look, the, 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 my point the the point was where I was wandering off on this was that mm. you were you were touring with Body Count at the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it just to me, it just seemed even at the time it seemed like uh, one of those typically absolutely insane record company ideas that you get forced into. Um, I was just I was just keen for my uh, you know my own curiosity as to as to how it worked out. Goodness, um, yeah, it was an odd match for sure. I mean, as far as I can recall, it was something that most of the band wanted to do. Right, and um, I think especially Ken, our drummer, because he was a massive ICT fan. Right. Um, so that was one element. I mean, he wasn't necessarily a body count fan. But I think he just liked the idea of being on tour with, with Ice-T in some form, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was all that, you know, that kind of naive nonsense about reaching a new audience, <laughs> which wasn't 
really going to happen. Um, yeah. But it was it was fun to do. It's just different, you know. Um, everything about that tour was different, but you know we got treated reasonably well. Um, nobody got harmed in any way. I think someone threw a bottle at us. We, we, we're leaving the venue after sound check, and there's a queue of people to get in, and someone threw a bottle at me and Ken. I was like, God, at least they know who we are. That's but that's amazing getting bottled off before you've gone on. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and and. What made you? What made you want to come back after all this? I do realise I'm, I'm I'm going a little bit into the past, and you know we we are without mm. doubt going to talk about the new album because it's let's get this out of the way. It's going to be my album of the year. Um, oh, cool. But uh, what what made you want to come back to the to the business and certainly the way the business is now, or was it just? It, it, I mean, it must have been the, the the pull for playing live and just creating new music must have kind of overwhelmed the fact that you're coming back to this business, which is in such a state these days. Yeah, <clears throat> but also I think um, I was very slow on the uptake. Um, the other guys were very plugged into what was happening happening, you know, in the present day. Um, obviously. When we first came back, it was the reunion phase, and we were just playing festivals, doing old material. Yeah. And that was with the Arch, the Arch Enemy guys, you know, Michael Amott, Daniel Lanson. And um, that was cool, but, I mean, there was a limited lifespan for that because they, they had no interest in making new carcass music. Um, and that's fair enough because, you know, they had good reason to feel that way. You know, that their primary loyalty was to Arch Enemy. Yeah. So if carcass went down that road, it was going to cause a lot of trouble for them. So anyway, later on, they went off and did their thing and, and Jeff and I kind of decided we'd like to make an album. So that's when we got Dan Wilding on board. Um, but yeah, I was, I didn't know as much as those guys about how much things had changed. Um, and right. I was very much the last person to get on board with, with any kind of reunion. I mean, I was very resistant to it for a number of years. But then once we did start playing, I realized how much I'd missed it. And I also yeah. felt like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, it, it felt a little bit kind of shabby to just come out and play old material. Yeah. And that's it. So it was always on my agenda privately, but I guess, you know, I just had to be patient and wait for an opportunity. Yeah, I I'm, I feel very similar about, you know, bringing Acid Rain back in 2015. It, it, is, it is that, you know, very, very sort of reticent to do so, but also... Mm. I always felt look, you can't come back and just keep rearranging the same old songs in a different yeah. order. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. I mean, I, I guess there's probably people out there who would, who are doing exactly that, you know, <laughs> but, and, and it's probably fine to a degree. Um, but I just think it's nice to feel like you're moving forward in some way and that you've got something new to bring to the table. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and 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 hey, if that works for some people, that's great and that's fine. You know that mm. it, it, it's that it is what it is. But for me, I I just kind of felt that um, you you know ultimately you come back and everyone goes yay, you know oh great, mm. and they see you and they mm. go oh it's great to hear these songs again. Great, yeah. When's the new mm. album coming out? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I you know we we started getting that immediately. Well, so, so when yeah, well that's a good sign. In other words, yes. There, there's an interest in that, you know. I mean, you'd be worried if people didn't ask the question, I guess. 
Um, unless you're me, and it, and every time somebody asked me if it's a new album coming out, it just wound me up because we because it was like so far off in the distance. I'm like, oh, for oh, I see. oh yeah, you know what mean. I mean? It's like let's play the bloody gigs first. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, when someone's like you know really premature with it, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we came back with a new single, so that kind of put that that put that idea in people's heads. But yeah. it, I mean, that feeling of coming back and playing and playing that material again. Um, I'm I'm really familiar with that and that feeling of just coming off stage and going, wow, I haven't done that for a while and, yeah, I missed it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, with any kind of, any of the more extreme forms of, of heavy metal music, playing it um, requires stamina. I mean, not just for the drummer, for everybody involved, you know, yeah. from bass player through to vocalist. So, yeah, it's a little bit like a, a musical assault course. And if you've managed to get through it relatively unscathed, you feel you feel quite good afterwards, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's nice to challenge yourself, you know. Um, obviously, the older you get, it, it's just, just a natural tendency to take things slower. Um, and there's good sides and bad sides to that. But one of the bad sides would be sometimes you just don't push yourself hard enough or far enough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that, that that that's that's interesting. You say that. I mean, from that point, of, is that something you felt you've done in the past? Oh, you mean in terms of kind of easing off a bit, relaxing? And, yeah, yeah, just kind of maybe not oh, pushing hard enough. Oh yeah, I mean, I did it in 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 a purely musical sense because you know for years I was doing stuff like Firebird, and I mean that was pushing me in a different direction because you know there was a challenge to do that kind of music um, when I didn't quite have that kind of background. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did as a listener, but I mean, I just hadn't played in a band of that nature before. So that was a learning experience. But after a certain time, that becomes your new comfort zone. And suddenly getting back into playing, well, what you might call death metal or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Suddenly that became the new challenge again. Um because yeah, I could remember the riffs, but you know, really nailing something, getting the feel, and you know, it's it's properly in the pocket. Yeah, that took quite some time for me to get there, and unfortunately, quite a lot of gigs. <laughs> so the early <laughs> set of gigs for me would have been so bad. Well, I I I know what you mean. I mean, especially I think in and you know, let's dispose with genre names and let's just call it metal. But yeah, yeah. you know what we're what we're all playing is very much a case of um, it has got to be on point. Like you say about you know it's got to be in the it's got to be in the pocket you've got to be focused mm. and you've got to be absolutely bang on, yeah. Because it does because otherwise it doesn't work. You know you want people saying to you afterwards, "Fucking hell, that was tight as fuck." Mm, yep. You know, and not just the crew. You want everyone to fucking notice. You know, mm. um, and and yeah, it is it is an assault course without a doubt. I mean, there's an, you know there's an, an incredible amount of energy needed from from absolutely everybody, and you can't all be on it every night as well. You know, there's always nights yeah. where some people are gonna are gonna carry others. Mm. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, you know, I think for most of us, there's no such thing as the perfect gig. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's always going to be a moment where you go, oh, I really fluffed that bit. But it's more how you bounce back from that, that that mistake or whatever. And then, you know, ideally at the end of the night, you feel like it was good. 
you know, yes. do us more good than bad. I guess that's what you're aiming for. You just uh, want to get your percentages up or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'd love, I'd love a fly in the wall microphone in most dressing rooms up and down the UK. And the first thing <clears> you will get is a band going in the dressing room, and the first thing they're going to start talking about is fucking hell. Could you, could you hear me today? Could you, <laughs> you know, and it'd be like, oh, fuck it, what happened there? And it's like, you know, artists, there's something about you, like you all come in and it's almost, it's, it's unstoppable. You instantly focus on the errors and what went wrong. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But again, that's healthy, surely. Cause, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've never seen a band or been in a band anyway, uh, that's coming off the stage and that someone goes in, oh, God, we nailed that. You know, yeah. that would just be plain weird to witness. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. It's like sometimes, it, so it, it's weird though, because it goes so many different ways, because you can have people coming up to you telling you how great it was, and you can think, it really wasn't. But then after a mm-hmm. while, when so many people are telling you it was, you start to think, well, hang on, is it me? You know, mm-hmm. it, m- maybe it was that good. Yeah, I mean, because of course, like like all the kind of, musical endeavours, you know, recordings especially, but it goes for gigs too. It's like you're putting something out there and you can't control how it's perceived. So yeah. sometimes what feels like a stinker of a gig is something that's quite memorable for some of the people that are there, you know? You, you, you've just described our, our, our Bloodstock appearance this year. <laughs> Absolutely oh, <really? laughs> spot on. <laughs> oh, really? That sounds interesting. Uh, well, so it felt like it was crap, and then it, and then people were raving afterwards. Yeah, well, we well we we weren't even able to play a song for about five minutes because um, one of our guitarists, Paul, his rig went down. Um, oh God, yeah. And so I literally did like five minutes of stand up with with the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah instead of instead of like MC in a room a comedy club with 200 people in it it's like it's a field with 15,000 people in it but the, but the principles are the same you know um, yep. and um, so we so we kind of treaded water for five minutes there and then we, we kind of got him back but it was it was a real sort of cobbled together job um, mm. and so we didn't really hit our straps until like you know four or five songs in and you know we only got a plane of 45 minutes set yeah. Uh, but for people watching it, yeah, it was it was memorable because it looked like everything was going to go to shit, and it and it kind of finished climactically, and and every mm. and everybody remembers that. Do you know what I mean? Everybody takes away that you know that that feeling at the end. Whereas on when you're on stage, you walk off mm. and you take away the feeling that for fuck's sake, you know that that could have been so much better. Yeah, but sometimes those are the most memorable gigs, especially, I mean, I'm saying this more as an audience member, really. Um, you know, if I look back on, you know, bands I'm into and stuff, and sometimes the most memorable gigs are ones where something went wrong. I mean, I've seen UFO a number of times, but maybe the most memorable one was, I don't know, a few years back in London. The guitar rig went down immediately, first song. You know, they'd started off with Lights Out, and then within seconds... The guitar rig just just went kaput, and you know it's a packed house. There's like what a couple of thousand people or more, and um, yeah, that was just awkward. And eventually, after lots of scurrying around, and you could just see the stress on that stage. But they got the, the stuff working again, and they just decided to stop from the beginning, and then they counted off the song and did it all again. And wow. it just went down a storm. I mean, you know, it broke all the rules. You know, normally that would just you know you can't recover from that. Yeah, gig, but. I mean, it, it just seemed to make it more special somehow. Yeah, I think I, I, I genuinely think you're right. I think you're right, and and uh, you know, a lot of people telling me that on the day, and like you know, the, the more distance you get from it, you kind of go, 
yeah, do you know what? That wasn't that wasn't really anywhere near as bad as you remember it. Um, yeah. But um, but anyway, look, um, let's let's move on to um, to the new album, which, as I've said, is just absolutely astounding. Just a phenomenal piece of work. Um, oh, nice. Thank I, you. Are you still? Uh, by the way, I'm I'm a, uh, and also there's no prize for this because I haven't done I haven't done it before, but riff of the year is oh. the intro to in god we trust that is that is just riff of the year that wow. opening that opening riff is just mate it is fucking fantastic <laughs> nice thank you a pleasure in fact it's such a pleasure that last week i had my uh, 85 year old mum staying for a few days yeah, and I and I played a bit of your album, and I played that riff, and she was sat on the sofa, rocking backwards and forwards, saying, "That is lovely." Wow! <laughs> so high praise indeed. That really, that really is. I mean, that means a lot, actually. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. Are you talking about the, the the very slow riff that, that kicks the whole thing off? Yes. Or yeah. The, I mean, yeah, I'm more I... than happy. I'm more than happy to start uh, start humming it, but I don't think the listeners <laughs> have worked. I've done that once too often, but. Um, yeah, honestly, man, I, it was, it, you know, there, there's just, what a groove. And they're, and they're all over that. They're all over the album. A friend of mine said to me the other day that, um, he said, he said, there's like, there's, there's so much, there's so much on it. There's so much music on it. And there's, uh, and it just doesn't feel like there's anyone out there doing anything like this. Um, does that, you know, would you agree with that? It's kind of hard to be objective like that about your own music, I guess. Well, yeah, it definitely is. Um, and the other thing is, if you're not keeping up um, very well with, with a lot of the contemporary metal music, as I'm not, it's it's hard to make comparisons. Um, yeah. So somebody like Jeff or, or Dan, uh, you know, they'd be better placed to sort of say what they think about it. Um. I mean, we we probably have a slightly different approach in the sense that you know it's it's a very old band, or at least Jeff and I are very old. So you've got <laughs> yeah. you know a very you know, ancient pool of uh, influences, I guess, that you draw from. Um, and we were never, I mean, it's never going to be one of those bands where you try and keep up with you know current trends. Um, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't want to think of any examples right now. Yeah. But, you know, there have been bands and artists who've done that and kind of made fools themselves a bit. So I think, you know, with style, it's it's just as mu- about as much to do with what you don't do as what you do. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, there is actually a lot of music on his album, considering it's not that long, really. But um, that's just because it was so many years in the making, really. Um, you know, there was, a, there was a bunch of material that Dan and I worked on years back, and then we suddenly discovered <laughs> there was more touring planned, like another two years Shit. out there. So all that stuff went into cold storage, and then when when Jeff was like, "Okay, that, you know, I'm, I'm ready now," and you know, he sort of tapered off the live work a bit, three of us really got to work then because you know it, it wasn't a reality until Jeff was involved. So we had all the old stuff from from a couple of years back, and then we we had more stuff that had come up in the meantime. So um, yeah, we just did what we normally do, really crafted the, the arrangements, um, you know, bickered about how to you know finish songs and stuff. And um, yeah, it's just always fun, you know. It's like you know, it's the way we've always worked, I guess. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 it's great to hear as well. There is um, there is without doubt that there's times where you you kind of slip into kind of classic metal, really. I mean, you know, and and I just really kind of admired that because you you know you. It's it's not like you. It's not like you're coming out and saying, right, okay, you know, we're we're you know we we started all this and you know this is this is our sound and you know, you you've you've always been a band who's developed and tried to um, build on the last outing and this do, and this does it again, um, which which I was really surprised about because I mean I I loved the comeback as well. But but this just seems like you've kind of taken on the mantle of do you know what we can do we can do anything because we are who we are and we've earned the right. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean I guess there could have been some of that going on um, somewhere in the back of somebody's minds, but I think um, there was an unspoken kind of understanding between the three of us when we were working on this stuff that. Um, it was going to be a substantially different album from Surgical Steel. Um, it would it would need to be because in between the two records, you've got at least five years of, of touring and loads of festivals. Yeah. Um, so we hadn't played a single gig with Dan prior to making Surgical Steel. So you're hearing the energy and excitement of this new lineup, but it's a little bit frantic. Um, with this one, I, I don't know. It just feels like it, everyone's playing together more. And there's like there's something else happening musically where, it, you know, maybe not trying as hard. It, it's more just late, late in the music flow. Um, yeah. There's definitely some crazy stuff on this record, you know, that, that I would consider extreme anyway. But as you pointed out, I mean, I don't know. We, we're just being honest about where our influences are and, you know, what we feel about metal music. I mean, there are going to be some purists um, who are a bit younger who obviously wouldn't really approve of that, you know. Yeah. They kind of want this. They want this music to kind of exist in isolation, but I don't feel that way about any form of music. You know, it's all connected in some way. Yeah, absolutely, and it all re- and and it all re- represents. It, it, all music is of its time. Yeah. So you so you know no sorry you can't have an album that sounds like fifteen years ago twenty years ago because it's <laughs> just it's not yeah. happening. Oh yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, to be fair, it hasn't happened very often, but. On those rare occasions where somebody's piped up with, you know, I was hoping you'd do an album like, you know, your second album. Yeah, and and I just think that people um, also um, personalise music. So despite the fact that it's it's written by you, it's their music, and they want you to write what they want. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, we've all made that mistake at some point, and I definitely did when I was younger. You'd be sort of slagging some band off or whatever like well you know it's not the album they should have made um i wouldn't say that now just because i've been in that position of having people do that to me you know um it's just how it is i mean i think if if people are actually being honest you know the thing to say would be i don't like the direction they've taken it's not the album i wanted um but naturally there's a lot of this where people go to another setting and that's and and that is what it is, isn't it? It's it's being let down personally. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I guess when you look at it that way, there's some kind of weird narcissism going on in that. Um, and especially with with metal having so much going on, um, there are just so many bands, especially in the extreme area. So it's almost like 
you know, there is a, ba- you know, if you want really extreme music, there's a lot of bands doing that. And, you know, Carcass hasn't really ploughed that furrow since we were very, very young and very early on into our quote unquote career. Yeah. Yeah, and but but there are there's you're always that band to some people, aren't you? It's like so, no matter how yeah. many years go past, you mm-hmm. you are the band that put that album out, and that is the album I want. Yeah, 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 it's true. I mean, yeah, you can't get away from that stuff. It's just how it is, I guess. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll meet people, and it's all about the fifth album. You know, I mean, like over the years, Swan Song is sort of developed some kind of uh, following you know and you will meet people that for them that's the peak of the band's creativity um and then there's the other people who are like that's the worst thing you ever did please don't ever do it again <laughs> yeah who'd who'd be in a band eh <laughs> well you've got to develop a thick skin which is... but you have to you have to develop it otherwise you're lost yeah yeah completely um you know, if you do a lot of gigs, there will be sort of weird things that happen. You know? Sometimes you play and the song stops and there's a stranger in the front of the audience yelling abuse at you or threats or whatever. And you're like, wow, this is weird. You know, I just came here to play some riffs. Yeah, but uh, as as we all know, people can take their music very, very seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it gets all wrapped up in identity. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a whole other subject in itself, really, isn't it? Because um, sometimes you get the feeling there's a bit of posturing going on, like, you know, you're trying to pull off this image. But it's like, I'm the guy that only listens to this. Um, and as time's gone on, I've, I've started to wonder if that is really possible. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it is yeah. when you're 16, because I only listened to really super noisy music when I was 16 or so. But by the time I was, say, 23, that was just not reality at all. I mean, you know, you start to think, what's the shame in in admitting I like this piece of music that isn't, you know, that doesn't fit the identity? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think it's called, you know, it's called maturing, isn't it? It's called growing up. (laughs) And and, and funnily enough, I was when you were talking, I was thinking, yeah, it's it's. I, I think it's linked to some some people's uh, enjoyment of music is it is linked to their self esteem as well. Um, yeah. And and so literally, if they get something that they didn't like, they didn't want, or something like that, it, it is an emotional, visceral reaction because they feel like they have been betrayed. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another kind of set of people where it it's kind of that, but really, it's a bit of a performance that's played out <laughs> on social media. Yes. You know, like, yeah. you know, hello everyone, check me out. You know, I'm really pissed off about this. And that says a lot about me because I'm kind of an extreme guy, you know? Yes. So, I mean, like, if someone's honestly said, for example, with our band, if someone's honestly saying they're surprised that this new album doesn't sound like weaker Kuchin, there's an element of posturing going on for sure. I mean, nobody could be that naive if they know anything about the band to expect us to play music that's just like that in 2021 you know yeah well well also they've got they've got a whole album in surgical steel which is a little bit of a clue as to how this album is going to sound <laughs> yeah yeah definitely is it's a pointer at the very least yeah 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 and um and, uh, but it, it's funny as well that i think that happens to bands also you know the, the self-esteem wrapped up in the in in the band issue and then you know mm. putting an album out that doesn't go down well and all of a sudden you've got a band full of depressed musicians who've who have um, invested too much 
of their own psyche in, you know, in the album. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I never used to understand that thing um, when you'd read an interview with, with somebody and they were saying, you know what, I don't really re- read reviews anymore. And I think oh, I'll always read reviews you know, because yeah. I care about what people think. Um, and yeah, I do still care, but I, I hardly ever read reviews now because I think first and foremost, you've got to be fairly sure about where you stand with, with what you've created. So, you know, if you're right, you can stand behind your album, then, you know, you don't mind taking some criticism. You'd much rather get good reviews, sure, but but it's just, it's not going to ruin your day if you see a bad one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think part of, another reason why I wasn't as keen to, to read some of this stuff was because doing as many interviews as I have, and I think Dan has done quite a few, and Jeff's done a handful, um, sometimes you get the, the feeling that some of these guys, they're really snowed under with music. And yeah. you can just feel it off them. Yeah. Listening to an album all the way through without any breaks is almost, in, it's just inconceivable. Yeah. So there's a good chance it's going to be a kind of a reflex reaction. Like, you know, they, they might be doing a washing up or whatever it is at home. They've got the album on. And um, if, if it just doesn't immediately hit them as the thing they wanted from this group, or if they didn't like the group in the first place or whatever, of course it's going to be a negative review. Yeah, and, and I, I think I think that is, is extended to, um, to, to the listening public as well. I think, you know, now, I'm, you know... People will say, "Oh, you know, what do you think to the new? What do you think to the new Exodus single?" It's like, "Oh, I only got halfway through it," and you're like, <laughs> "Eh?" Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? That's yeah, really it's, crazy. it's like, and the thing is, you know, we've we've all heard it. You know, we've all heard people saying that kind of thing, and, yeah. and you know, it's just it's it's a real shift of right. Yeah, you've got two minutes, or uh, or I'm moving on. Yeah, yeah, I mean. <sighs> Yep. Sure. I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of these, you know, the, when you go down this road with this type of conversation, it's always going to come back to like how much things have changed. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, attention spans have been shredded. Yes. You know, uh, ever since the internet kicked off, and that goes for every one of us, even even middle aged folk like Mill Jeff, it will have affected us. Oh, same here, same here. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, and it's just one of those things. I mean, it, it's kind of a shame, but this is where we're at at the moment. And um, you've just got to be optimistic and hope, you know, some good will come out of it in some way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, sorry, looking at looking at your the looking at the album that I mean, I've got I've got the CD, just the regular CD of it. The oh. the the attention to detail that's gone into the art, into the whole package. Um, as an old schooler, I really, really appreciate that. And I love, I love the the plate and knife and fork set of the whole. <laughs> that I mean, that is just you know that's typical carcass, a, a real sense of humour. Um, but um, I, it must be, you know, I, I I don't know how really how to say this, but none of that shit's cheap. I don't think people realise what an investment that is. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, yep. you fight fight developing the concepts and. And all of those, you know, various hearts and 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 you like everything. It's it, it is it's you know that that is a, a quite an undertaking, almost as much as you know the album itself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was blissfully unaware of most of this um, 
and I'm sure Dan was. I mean, I think it was mostly Jeff engaging with with um, his artist friend over in Poland, right. um, the man whose name I still cannot pronounce, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> right. So I'm, I, you know, I really don't know how long they they you know kind of liaised on this whole thing for, but I'm, I'm guessing it was a long time. Yeah. And um, and then the, the the promo kind of related things with the label, same thing. I don't know who made which decision, but uh, you know it seems to be getting some attention. I mean, the plate thing in particular. Um, yeah. But I, I knew nothing of it until uh, one of the earliest interviews that I was doing. And someone mentioned it. I was like, really? <laughs> 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 really? So you didn't yeah. you didn't know about the the plate set? Absolutely, I had no idea. <laughs> Awesome. So your fans are out there pre-ordering it, like you know, eight weeks before it's due to come out, and you don't even know that it exists until you start doing interviews. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably my fault, you know, because I'm I'm really sluggish with replying to emails, so <laughs> it could easily be something I missed that way. But, um, but yeah, I mean, essentially that's Jeff's world, really. You know, it's his domain. He he does all the kind of. Not, I mean, it's obviously the lyrics too, but um, the visual side of the band that's very much his bag. Well, I was going to say, is is there a clear demarcation point? You know, is, is there stuff where you look at and you go, right, no, that's for Jeff, and Jeff will look at stuff and you go, right, no, that's that, that's Bill's area. Yeah, I guess there is. I mean, it's never spoken of, but it, it's it's just drifted that way over the years. So yeah, he does all the lyrics, all the visuals. Uh, he also manages the band, which I guess some people probably already know. Um, you know, he does the social media type stuff. Um, right. Although I think Dan maybe does our Instagram, um, but Jeff does the Facebook and, and whatever. Um, yeah, and then when, you know, as far as the musical direction, I guess I bring in the, the raw material, like all the riffs and stuff. Um, but that would be just the beginning of a lengthy process because a lot of those things just go through the mincer when I take them into the rehearsal room. You know, they get critiqued very heavily by the guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's it's um yeah it's it, it's quite a, it's quite an undertaking but it, it certainly seems that like you say you know you've got you've got sort of clear areas of you know what's best you know what's best to do and how best to play it out between the two of you um, when that sort of extra two years of touring um, was uh, was thrown in front of you um, uh, on the surgical um, surgical steel dates. Um, that that could have been something that um you know it, 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 that could have been something you didn't really want to do is it how mm. does it because you were quite a few years in and then all of a sudden finding out there might be another two years of this um that, that must have been yeah. something to take on board yeah it was i mean if i remember correctly it didn't sort of it didn't get rolled out exactly like that like you know you've got two more years ahead but it was like at the start of a new year when, when we, Dad and I were sort of thinking, right, we're going to get really stuck into this new stuff. That's when it, it was clear that Jeff did not feel that way whatsoever, and there were a lot of dates coming through. So you know, you just kind of had to be philosophical because I mean, neither of us have, have as in Dan and myself, neither of us have what it takes to manage a band. Um, we don't have that kind of vision, and we don't have that kind of inclination either. But that is very much a natural thing for Jeff. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in some senses, you know, when you accept that somebody's the leader or, or even the manager, you, you're putting some faith in their vision. Yeah. Um, and there'll be times when you don't don't agree. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that year went by and then there was another year. And I think that at that point, it really felt like, 
you know, because we, we might have done six American tours or something. I'm trying to think. Wow, right, but, okay. But yeah, it did feel like, how much more can there be now, you know? Yeah. So there probably was a little bit of frustration there, but um, you also knew there's no way this is going to work um, by trying to drag uh, your front man in, into the studio when he's not ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's, right now, he's got his management hat on. He's very aware of what he's trying to achieve with this stuff. And I can get it. It's very hard to switch in the middle of that and go, right, I'm being creative now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he was kind of vindicated in the long run because this album wouldn't have been as good if we had tackled it two or three years early, earlier. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I guess it's, the material's matured quite nicely because of this. Well, it works out in the end, and and the thing is, I, I I think I read an interview with Jeff at the time, and um and I remember him saying something that was sort of rang true with me as well, where he was like, you know, no, we're not going, no, we haven't started writing a new record, no, we're not going to be back in the studio in the next twelve months, we're going to tour the fucking ass off this first, <laughs> because we've got to squeeze every single last drop of you know out of every single thing we do because that's the way the business is now and i remember thinking yep, yep. yep. well yeah i mean that's refreshingly honest um yeah you know yeah you can't really argue with that that is kind of where, where things are at um especially for a band at our level you know where we've done okay but it's not it's, we're not you know not exactly affluent you know what i mean yeah um we've been fortunate enough to make a living off this for the last few years but um but we have to work. So, yeah, I think he put that across quite well. I mean... No, I yeah, do. I, I mean, think... you know, I, I do. And I think also, as you said, you, you can't knock honesty. Do you know what I mean? You just you just yeah. can't knock it. If someone's being honest, you can disagree, mm. you can not like what they're saying, but you're yeah. always going to have to come back to at least they're being honest. Yeah, I mean, in a way, I was hoping he'd do more of these interviews just because he <laughs> is an excellent interviewee. Um you know, it's so rare now because um, a lot of us just end up playing a political game where, you know, like, oh, you know, I can't really say that. You, you know, you're self-censoring all the time. Yeah. And and he doesn't tend to do that. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes he'll say things that, like, a lot of us would be kind of, like, a little bit bent out of shape by or whatever, but it does make for a really good interview <laughs> um, where somebody's not playing that game, you know, yeah. the showbiz game. Do yeah, you, the political you, stuff. You you do realise now that people people are listening in to you and I you and I chatting and they're thinking, bloody hell! I wish this was Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean quite rightly. I mean I've definitely had that where you're talking to someone on the phone and and you know you can kind of tell they were they were hoping they'd get to speak to Jeff, you know, because there's always something spicy in his interviews. Right. But I think he was just he's just jaded with the whole thing to the point where he did a handful of the ones that he wanted to do. And then left the rest of down to myself, um, which we were fine with because, I mean, we don't have the responsibilities that Jeff has. You know, for the most part, we just turn up to places and play our instrument, whereas he's always got all this other stuff on his mind. You know, it's pretty much a 24-hour thing for him, really. Yeah, um, I, know, I know the feeling. I know the feeling of walking around and handing out, giving everybody their buyout and their PDs um, uh, and then going off and doing your sound check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's not for everybody. So, I mean, some people just like like having an element of control and like, and like you know, organisational things. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of people in the music world, like myself, just... You know, recoil from any of that. 
yeah yeah it's just like look just tell me where i need to be and at what time and yeah you know, and ideally that's it yeah no I, I i know the feeling i really do um but um so obviously you're going to be you know you're going to be well hopefully you're going to be touring this album what's what what's date what are dates looking like and you know are things just constantly changing yeah i i mean i, I i'm trying not to get too carried away with the things that that uh, are lined up because yeah we just don't know uh realistically if they'll come off but the last i heard that the, the tour that was lined up uh oh goodness it was i guess it was for this autumn um and it was going to be behemoth arch enemy ourselves and another group uh, across europe um obviously that got pulled but I, i've been told that it's it's getting rescheduled for some point um i don't know was it spring next year or something um i don't know exactly but you know our drummer Dan seemed very confident that it's going to happen. And then the other surprise to me was learning that we might be touring with the Monomath in America in around the same period, you know, just like finish once or have a few days off and then off again. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, you know. Yeah. I mean, we've got this, we've got damnation coming up and, you know, if that, if that actually happens, that will, that will be, you know, incredible. Really, it'd be just, yeah, a very strange thing to to play a gig after whatever it's been like two years or something. Yeah, you 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 sound very much like like me. It was like you know it's coming up to Bloodstock. It's like yeah, whatever. You know, literally, I didn't believe it till about a fortnight beforehand, and yeah. he, and even then, I was kind of like, there's still time for this to fall apart. Um, yeah, uh, and unfortunately, that is you know that's the world we live in now more than ever. Um, I mean, we we did our second second set of dates as a four piece because we lost a guitarist to COVID. We had a bass bass player and guitarist both got COVID. Bass player was fine oh. after ten days. Guitarist was absolutely mullered. Goodness me! Yeah, yeah. So he was wiped out for about a month, five weeks, and all of a sudden you start thinking as a four piece, shit, mm. right? So if one of us goes down, we're yeah. done. So yeah. all of a sudden you're like going, right, okay, so it is make sure you've got a Sharpie on you at all times. If somebody wants an autograph, you've got to use your own yeah. pen. Self yeah. Selfies are fine, but with a little bit of distance, no handshakes, mm. all fist bumps. And all of a sudden your mind starts racing and you're like, right, okay. So, and it can actually be quite stressful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once it's kicked off in your mind, it's just churning away there, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, and the thing is that, you know, then all of a sudden you're thinking, right, well, okay, the merch guy's on the bus as well, and the merch guy's going to be dealing with everybody. Yeah. So what do we do about him? How do we make him safe? How do we make us safe from him? You yeah. know, and it's just, yeah, it's a whole it's a whole layer of kind of organisation and stuff that, you you know, it, it, that just never existed before. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, fear or, or anxiety or, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it's a very powerful thing. Um, you know, it can really work away at you over a period of time. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's it's just about being being careful and being safe. And and people are um, you know people are wanting to get to see shows. And for those people that you do play for, um, it will you know it, it will be a massive thing because you'll be one of the first bands that they've seen 
since the uh, the pandemic and you know they'll 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 remember these shows forever these first few shows out of lockdown people are you know people are going nuts for them and i'm and i'm not surprised yeah yeah i mean i think uh, people just really you know value live music more than ever yeah um you know because it was taken away for so long yeah yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Now, one thing before before we, um, I've got some uh, listener questions for you, um, cool. which will be a lot better than mine. Um, <laughs> but uh, they always are. It pisses me off. Um, but um, as regards the making of the album, you put that. I mean, that's been painstakingly put together over a you know over a very long period of time. And I think I remember. I, did you get Jens to master it? Yes, I believe oh. we did. That, yeah, that. I think that was that was always on the cards, you know, because of the, the connection with David Castillo and everything. Oh man, um, that what that the job he does of mastering is incredible. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. I mean, it's, it's as you know yourself, it, there's an art form going on there. Yeah, um, and especially at a time when you know it's, it's, there's been crazy volume wars going on for so long. Yeah. Um, and a lot, a lot of people are very satisfied with that. Like, you know, somebody's mastered our thing and they've smashed the life out of it. Um, there's no dynamics left. Yeah. That's just how we want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. It, and it, 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 it amazes me because it's like, no, do you know what? I want, I want our record to sound fucking huge. I don't want it to sound yeah. loud. You can turn the fucking yeah. volume up. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, everyone's got a volume control in their stereo. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there is something very exhausting about listening to to some some of the more kind of modern masterings of of records because it's like it just doesn't relent at all. Yes, um, everything's as loud as everything else at all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, vocals as loud as the drums. How the fuck does that work? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, it, 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 I know what you mean by by tiring. It, it, it like two or three sings, songs in, you just fatigue. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, I found that with a with an album recently. But the, but I mean, yeah, Jens' mastering job um, for me. I mean, he he did our album as well, and he's he's just he just seems to find it's almost otherworldly. He kind of finds mm. some stuff that you know I didn't I didn't even know was there. Well, um, that's good. But um, but the I mean, the album sounds great. You've I mean, you've got to be happy with how it sounds sonically. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, David just understood. Um, oh, yeah, no, I don't think we really laboured the point with him. Um, really, he just got it. Like, yeah. we wanted something that was a bit warmer, fatter, more organic. Um, I mean, the thing with Surgical was, um, you know, the, the record was done, but then sort of the working situation with, with Colin Richardson sort of disintegrated. I mean, it wasn't acrimonious. It was just he'd had enough of working on the project and he'd been asked to do something else that he did want to do. Yeah. And, and you know, we'd, we'd heard his rough mixes and we were very perplexed because it, it just was a million miles from how we heard this music. And then, yeah, I mean, really, Andy Sneap came in and saved us because, you know, you can't force somebody to to finish work on an album um that they've lost interest in yeah so and andy was totally up for it and in a matter of days he kind of rescued the thing um got some you know very finished sounding mixes together so yeah we were delighted at the time but we 
on some level, we were also aware of the fact that it was a little bit more clinical than we would have wanted. You know, yeah. um, we we just this this was us coming back after so many years, so we were never going to get exactly what we wanted out of the, the material or, or the recording um, the way we have done this time. So um, yeah, by the sounds yeah. by the sounds of it, it's 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 almost in the album titles, isn't it? It's like yeah, surgical steel, which is a, a bit more surgical, a bit more yeah. clean, and torn arteries, more organic, and yeah. You know, yeah, there is. I mean, it, you know, it's. I mean, I'm not saying it's like super raw or anything, um, but yeah, it's it breathes a bit more, and um, yeah, I think you're just hearing more of the the players. If you know what I mean. The separation, um, the separation. To quote somebody who was listening to it on our on our tour bus, the separation is the closest to perfection I've ever heard. Wow, goodness. Yeah, that's that's high praise. High praise yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, yeah, I can't say enough about David. He's fantastic, and obviously James Atkinson in, in Leeds tracked all the rhythm guitars, which was, you know, as it always would be, was a lengthy process. So just yeah, being around people, you just trust implicitly um, that get the best out of you without really pushing you in any way. They, they just they just allow you to play the way you play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was just a very very good experience. Um, from start to finish, really, and then the, as you pointed out the, with the master, that you know that was just a huge relief that the you know the thing came out sounding like that rather than you know just completely smashed the fuck. Yeah, yeah, that it's it's got a it's got a richness to it. It's got a real a real uh, organic kind of richness to it, which I absolutely love, and it sounds. It sounds huge, and there's and and like you know, I'm all for let's all make records that sound huge, and then you can do what you like with the volume. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, just yeah. It, I mean, we could go on for hours about its dynamics. <laughs> you know, like yes. you know, it's just simply if the view meter is constantly in the red, it's no longer powerful. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just that's the new setting. It's no different from playing quiet music, and it just stays quiet all the time. You know, yeah. it's got to be some kind of push and pull going on with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there is like you know, sometimes I'm listening to stuff and I'm thinking these guys have never heard the phrase "less is more." <laughs> you know, it's literally like God, everything is just piled on, piled up high. Um, well, look, Bill. I, I really appreciate your time. I've got a few. Um, I've got a few subscriber questions. If you can, um, if, if you can hang on, yeah. you cool with that? Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. Right. So, this is from Paul Hutchings. Paul yeah. says, "Torn Arteries" was written over three years ago and recorded over two years ago. How do you keep that music fresh in your head, given it's now actually part of Carcass history rather than brand new? And is that whole situation a bit of a mindfuck? <laughs> well, that's a big yes to the last part of the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it was it was okay because we knew we weren't the only people in this situation. You know, that we knew across the planet the countless bands and artists who, who'd made recordings that they were forced to sit on. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the way it worked for me personally was to just um, not listen to the album for a very long time. Um, because I, I wanted it to, to be fresh again when the thing came out and I had to start doing interviews. Um, and that worked a treat, to be honest, because um, much to my relief, I, I 
stuck this thing on and and I still enjoyed the music. Um, you know, you, you're always going to be harsh on on the, the things you do. Um, so yeah, there'll be little moments where like oh, I wish I hadn't done that or I wish I had done that or whatever it was. But for the most part, yeah, I still really like the records. Um, it is definitely a retrospective release for us. Um, but the cool thing is it's new to everybody else. So um, I guess that's that's how we're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it's the only way you can look at it, isn't it? Because you just, mm. yeah, you, you know, you've got, it's got to try and stay fresh. Um, right. So um, the next question is from Mark Pensum. And he says, right, I'll go there. Who came up with the hand claps as an idea? And for what it's worth, I like them. <laughs> Phew, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'll be surprised how many times it could come up in interviews, actually. Um, oh, I, 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 mean, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, <clears throat> I took that as always a good thing. Whether the interviewer was being snotty about this or, or being positive, it was a good thing because it indicated they'd listened that far into the album. <laughs> so I was already happy, you know, just to hear about that. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, Jeff needs to take the credit for this one. Um, I think we were in a phase of doing lots of percussion on the record. I mean, we did all kinds of things. Some are more evident than others, and I'm, I gather the hand claps are quite prominent <laughs> for most people's taste. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's triangle on one song. Um, I heard that, yeah. Oh, well, you did. You, your ears are better than mine, because me and Jeff, we just couldn't hear it. And then David <laughs> and Dan were like, it's very loud and it's you know we just got it lost the top end you know it's just not there yeah but i'm assured that the triangle is is audible which it, is nice. it, it is there mate i promise <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i think like you said you know it, it's great and also it, it, if you can't do things like this this deep mm. into your career mm. what's the fucking point when are you supposed to do it yeah exactly <clears throat> and i think um I mean, you're always going to be walking some kind of tightrope where, you know, you, it's like you don't, you don't want to be too safe, but you don't want to take too many risks. But <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think all you've got is your, your kind of your instinct, yeah. what you think is cool and what works for your band. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier on, um, there's lots of things stylistically that we just wouldn't do. You know, it doesn't feel right for us. Um, but yet <laughs> we're doing things like that on the record. So... It, yeah, all you've got is a feeling, and and when this one came up, we were like, yeah, let, let's do that. You know, the same thing with all the stomping and stuff on the Ixtab. Um It was just a lot of fun to record, and, and it felt good for the track. Yeah, yeah, and and you're absolutely right. You have to go. You've got to trust your instincts. You've got to say, mm. look, you know, that 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 is a good idea. In isolation, mm. it's a good idea. So let's just do it. Um, well, Mark has got a, another question, and he says, "When you and Jeff decided to carry on and produce new music, did you want to contribute vocals again right from the outset, or is it something you were persuaded into?" Mm, good question. I'd say <clears throat> it's a little of both. Um, there was some persuasion necessary, but not a huge amount because I'd been away from the band long enough to sort of reflect on the different eras of our music and what we would need to do live and stuff. And of course, if we're going to represent, uh, say, the second album uh, in the set in some way, there's going to be some of my vocals involved. So once I'd already got that far, it wasn't a huge leap to go on and say, okay, yeah, I don't mind doing some vocals on, on the album. Um, 
I mean, when the time came on, on Surgical, I, I was, you know, we hadn't played gigs for ages. And, you know, we just in the middle of the countryside in Derbyshire. And I was, I was just uncomfortable. So I had to go ne- next door to the pub and get, you know, a couple of jugs of beer filled up. And then we went back into the studio and I kind of uh, dusted off the cobwebs a bit. That sounds that sounds like uh, like one of those um, uh, legend legendary sessions that people talk that people talk of, and it's just like, yeah, I'm not feeling this. Let's let's go to the pub. Yeah, well, I mean, if in doubt, you know, it seems to work for a lot of situations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think not? especially especially vocals, I think because you know, depending on your style, but like certainly in this area of music, you don't want the the vocal to be too inhibited. You know, it, yeah. It, there's got to be a lot of energy in it. And um, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't want to go in there completely sozzled either. But um, something that loosens you up a bit is going to help yeah. to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, certainly in this area, and like you said, de- de- depending on, on your style. Um, right, I've got here, I've got a question from um, Alan Phillips. Alan said... Uh, did the reception of your comeback come as a surprise to you, as it appears to me that in your absence the number of fans appears to have multiplied? I saw you a few years back in Manchester with Napalm Death, Voivod and Obituary, and the crowd seemed as enthusiastic for your set um, as any others. So the question that starts that is, did the reception of your comeback come as a surprise? Yeah, yeah, it did, very much so. <clears throat> I think we were quietly confident that we'd made a valid record but we also assumed that there would be a limited appeal um we figured that the really kind of hardcore carcass people would be very up for this thing and we assumed that elsewhere there wouldn't be a huge amount of interest um understandably there was always going to be cynicism because you know if you've been away from from this for i can't remember how many years it was 17 or something um you know, people will naturally expect that record to be a complete turkey. Um, they're just gonna—it's it's just the thing you would expect. Like it's going to be really off stylistically. So when it wasn't, I think that drew in a few more people. And then there's also a sort of, you know, a, almost a zeitgeist thing. I wish I could think of a different word for this, but you know, <laughs> that's the only word I can think of right now. Where you know, like there's a sorry, that's a <laughs> dog, Ronnie. Um, there's a prevailing mood. Like within, um, you know, the journalist community or whatever, and it's been like, oh, you know, that record's quite good actually, and sort of that softens up the next guy who's approaching this record to review it or whatever. So you can be lucky with things like that. You know, yeah. sometimes those aren't sincerely held opinions. Even it's just somebody who's quite busy uh, deciding to come out on your side rather than slag you off. Yeah, and. Um, and to some extent, we've had a little bit of the opposite this time around, but we always kind of anticipated that. You know, you can't have an easy ride every time. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think I think anybody who's got any questions or queries about this album is just... They're really missing out because, um, you know, I, I think it's the same with movie watching as well. You know, it's about what you bring, what you bring to a project is gonna decide whether you know how you feel about it. So, do you know what I mean? That's very true. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, um, you know, 
as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't get to hear that much contemporary music, especially in metal. But um, there's a pub I go to in Soho quite often. And if I'm there on lunchtime and it's kind of quiet, um, the sort of the bar manager lad, he, he's, he's a big music fan. But he's more into things like contemporary country and stuff like that. So he plays me a lot of that stuff. Right. And um, and it's interesting because, I mean, I do like country music, but I'm more you know listening to the older guys and stuff. And at first, of course, I was resistant to it. Like, oh, I'm not going to like this. But, yeah. you know, over time, he sort of did kind of win me over because, um, you know, you just sit there and listen. And um, then you start to notice good things in the music. And you're like, oh, that, that's a great vocal or actually, you know, what a fantastic lyric. Or I love how they handled the production values on this thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely about being open to something. Because if you come at something with a whole bunch of prejudices... Um, you're probably not even going to hear the music properly. Yeah, true. That's a bit like me listening to Kiss. I just think, oh, fuck me, this is <laughs> just shit, horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> or do you mean all Kiss or just like... I mean, I mean every song they've ever fucking written. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, just not a fan at all. At all, but anyway, sorry. This is not about what I'm a fan of. Um, so, uh, next question. Uh, this is from Pete Gray. It's a bit of a cliche, but does the fact the band has a unique sound that is always identifiable as Carcass give you a bit more leeway to experiment? Um, I would really hope so because I think that that was where we were coming from on this record, particularly. Yes. Um, because. Dan hasn't been in the band as, as long as Jeff or, or myself, but, you know, he, he's an inherently musical person. So, you know, his judgments with things like taste and whatever tend to be really good. Um, and I think, especially when the pair of us started working on that early batch of tunes, we both just figured, well, this is going to sound like Carcass. So you don't have to get all self-conscious and like, oh, should we listen back to whatever record it was from the past and you know I mean I, yeah. I don't think you should be you know self-plagiarising yeah. um, I mean of course if you don't do it sometimes people are disappointed you know they want more of that you know in the, the new music but I just figured I mean this sounds very carcassy to me um, and I don't think we could have justified making a new album that wasn't actually new music there's yeah. got to be some, something fresh that you're bringing yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, for me, for me, I, I think first time, first couple of times I heard it, what really hit me was the fact that for me, it just sounded like a band really genuinely taking like you've established, you've established a comeback, and then you've kind of topped that with like I hate to say this, but an album that you've always wanted to make. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely feels that way. Um, you know, the the twenty one year old me um, would have loved to just attempt something like this, but you know, I just wasn't there yet. You know, yeah, that was a different stage for the band. Um, and I think maybe maybe the reason why some some people favour that third album over anything else we've done is because it is it, it, there's something very depraved about it. It's like a, a bunch of young blokes reaching for something like it's slightly beyond our grasp you know, as technically as musicians. Right. Yeah. But we're just trying we're just trying very hard and it's come out in a very twisted way. 
Right, yeah, and your your enthusiasm has got to be admired, but it's fallen just that a little bit short. Yeah, I mean that that's kind of what I mean. I'm very fond of that record, um, and it does have a vibe that's kind of you know irreplaceable. You know, I mean, you can't go back to that. But um, but I'm also aware of some of that in the music. I mean, I can I can hear it, I can feel it because I, I remember how it felt at the time. You know, you just trying to play a little bit beyond your abilities. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, certainly none of that going on. Um, <laughs> none of that. Um, right. Johnny Sars has got three quick fire, nice and simple questions. Um, mm. First up, favourite riff you've ever written? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good luck with that, Bill. Bloody hell. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, I'm not going to cop out and not give an answer, so I'll just go with the first thing that came to mind, so uh, no love lost. Cool. Okay. Personally, opening riff to um, In Gold We Trust, but there you go. Uh... <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, if, if, I was, I mean if, I, if I'd paused, it would have been something on the new record for sure, um, yeah. just because that's a little bit more representative of where we're at and I'm at at the moment. Yes. But yeah, just from the, from the original run of records, something like that would be the first thing that pops up. Cool. Cool. Um, next from Johnny, uh, most rock and roll thing you've ever done? Whew, that's difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, this is one of those things, you know, like, um, not to get too pedantic about it, but um, I've noticed that over the years, this you know, the term rock and roll is used for uh, types of behaviour and attitude rather than music. Yes. And, you know, for me, it's like, Let's not forget that it was originally a style of music. So I mean, yeah, you know, the, you know the whole some of those things that do come up a bit in the life, you know, like whether it's you know drinking or you know whatever it might be. Yeah, um, they're, they're real things for a lot of people in bands. But I mean, is that really the essence of rock and roll? I mean, I'm not sure it is. It's perfectly possible to be a good rock and roll musician or or, or a metal player and be completely straight, responsible human being. Um, yes. I'm not saying anyone in our band is, well, apart <laughs> from Dan, for sure. He, he definitely is. But, um, yeah, so I, I guess I've dodged that question, really, haven't I? <laughs> it's not I, 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 think, I think you've given it... I, I, think you've done a, I think you've done an answer that Jeff would have been proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> um, right, and I've got two, I've got two um, for you now that are going way back into the dark, dark, deep, dark, distant past. Um, last two questions. This one is, how did... This is from Johnny again, and it says, how did you feel when the BBC Arena documentary aired? <laughs> that's brilliant. That is... That's just... <laughs> that's going deep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, embarrassed would be the, the primary emotion, I would say. Um, yeah, I mean... You know, yeah, I don't think anybody involved in the band was uh, delighted with that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we were naive as hell, so we walked into that situation. Yeah. You're always going to get stitched up to some degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think the, the person, I've not seen it for many years, but from what I recall, um, the person that made the documentary um, wasn't a fan of heavy metal music whatsoever. Yeah. So um, it was a little bit unbalanced because, I mean, really... Napalm was a thing at the time it was happening, um, but in terms of stature, I mean, it's not exactly a Sabbath or a priest 
so I, I just I felt like that was really off balance. You know, it was really off kilter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when that whole red dwarf thing came up, you know, Jeff was like really keen to do it, and I was like, oh god, I've already made a fool of myself on television. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do it again. Yeah. But uh, but luckily he taught me round, and it was, it was a good thing to do doing that because. Um, that was what we were there for specifically was to behave like prats. You know, we got paid handsomely for it. Yeah. Uh, well, look, uh, th- that's the main thing, isn't it? Back then. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it's was, it was great. I mean, we, even now we still get the odd little royalty off that show. It's bonkers. <laughs> I've never even watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, look, going back, um, maybe nearly as far. Uh, this is a question, last question from Cam Valance. And it says, did you think, the did you think um, scum the actual song was any good? <laughs> um, yes, I mean I was I was a fan of the band um, for some time before I got asked to join, and I used to walk around with uh, some kind of really primitive Walkman type thing, listening to that that demo that became Side A of Scum. Um, so yeah, I've not gone back and listened to the record for ages, like many, many years. But, yeah. uh, I mean, if you're asking the 16, 17 year old me, yeah, God, I just, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I wonder why <laughs> is he implying that it's not good? I don't know. That's an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> no, uh, I, it's, I, I don't think there's any implication there. I think it is genuinely just wanting to find out what you think. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know for, for younger people quite what that record sounds like because I can remember what it sounded like at the time um, and that side A demo thing um, it was just for, for a bunch of us it was just the most exciting thing happening in the UK at that time um, We, you know I was very yeah. lucky to later become involved with the band but um, yeah there's, there's a few of us who were just big fans we just thought Napalm was great oh that's awesome that's awesome well actually would you? Did you play in them? I, I saw Napalm supported by Holy Terror and DRI at the Nottingham Garage. Um, that, yes, yes, um, yeah. Because DRI had like that one. Yeah, I think. Um, I can't remember the running order. Besides that, Holy Terror definitely played. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing was, Napalm was maybe first. Was it? Was it Napalm Heresy? Oh, hang on, no, no, hang on. Wasn't, wasn't Heresy opening? It would have been one of the, one of the two of us. Um, yeah. I mean, it could, like, we could have easily opened because for for a long time, Heresy were the sort of the reigning kings of that that sort of hardcore scene and yeah. you know, the, the burgeoning crossover thing. Because um, they they came out with some very fast music um, that was very impressive. Yeah, um, I, I I remember um, I remember speaking to him um, at the time um uh on the night and uh and they they really were you're right they were kind of like the the standard bearers weren't they for the uk scene yeah yeah i think napalm benefited from the timing um and also the kind of tunnel vision because i think heresy came out all guns blazing playing very fast and then at a certain point they kind of slowed down a bit and there were almost elements of melodic hardcore coming through yeah. and you know that was what they wanted to do but i think it wasn't quite the thing that was going to set people on fire. Um, you know, there was this sudden interest in really extreme fast music and short songs and Napalm sort of appeared on most people's radar at a time when, when there was a high interest in that. Yes. Yeah. 
And also, I, I think Heresy were just that, they were a little bit more punky, weren't they? They were a bit, just a bit more hardcore. Yeah, yeah, completely. Because, I mean, the, what I would call the classic lineup of Napalm, uh, Nick, Justin, Mick, that's on side A of Scum, um, that's kind of a hardcore band that's been listening to a lot of, or it sounds like it's been listening to a lot of Hellhammer and Celtic Frost as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's a, a nice combination. And then, you know, by the time Mick sort of assembled new versions of the band, you know, more of the death metal influences coming in. Um, but it stayed quite extreme, obviously. Lots of blast beats all the way through. Yeah, and still going to this very day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, look... In a do... very different form, obviously. Uh, well, yeah, very, very different. Bill, can't thank you enough. That's been awesome. Thank you, mate. Oh, thank you, H. No, that was a lot of fun. Cheers. And yes, that was a lot of fun. I completely agree, um, rather selfishly. Um, I, well, I, look, I'm just really enjoyed doing that. Um, and again, thanks to the patrons for great questions. Um, and uh, and you can sign up for Patreon if you want. You know, it's there, uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith. Um, but thank you once again for uh, for listening to the podcast, for supporting the podcast. You are my greatest asset on spreading the word. Please do share the podcast. Please do tell everybody about it. Um, and, you know, just, just share it with somebody who likes podcasts and doesn't know about it. Or maybe they do know about it and they've never got round to it. Or maybe they were, um, they used to listen to it and, you know, they stopped. I know what it's like. I dip in and out of podcasts myself. So, you know, I don't expect everyone to listen to every episode. You're going to, you're going to pick and choose, aren't you? And I, and I know there's plenty of you out there who, um, will, you know, skip my fucking 20 minutes of bullshit at the front of, um, at the front of every podcast and will happily, happily um uh just get straight to the interview and that's fine that's cool hey everybody gets if if you get something out of it even if it's just thinking i'm a wanker then something in it i mean i'll take that fuck it why not so as always thank you very much for listening wherever you are it's a pleasure to be in your ears Thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Really enjoying this. Um, And got some great guests coming up for you. There's also more episodes of Old Bollocks on the way. It's all happening, guys. It's all fucking happening on Talking Bollocks. Until next time, be well. Catch you later.